Hey everyone, welcome to Life on Course, uh, maybe Life on Course 2.0. Uh, we're, we, we kind of changed this up a little bit where I'm going to be a co-host with Cooper Dossie. I think that we're both very excited, uh, to just talk, I mean, talk about whatever, um, and then just kind of get our opinions out there, kind of what we're doing, um, as far as golf, life, all that stuff. And I think that we can hold each other accountable to put out some episodes each week. Um, yeah, and we'll go from there. Cooper, welcome. I'm excited to do this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think content in golf has been on the rise for a while, and it's sparked my interest, and it's also sparked yours. And hopefully this um, goes somewhere good. But, yeah, my name is Cooper Dossie. I'm from Austin, Texas. Uh, and yeah, I just, I, I was kind of born in, in, into a golf family. Uh, my grandparents, Nub and Carolyn Donaldson were rules officials at the USGA and helped rate golf courses for golf digest. So my two brothers and I, Luke and Sam were born with a golf club in our hand and it was really the, the main sport we played growing up. You know, we played other sports such as like basketball and baseball, but all of us, suffered from sh short person syndrome and golf's was the one that um, all three of us were most talented and gifted at. So yeah, I guess starting in eighth grade, I committed to just only playing golf and um, had a good junior golf career, a lot of good battles with Ryan. And um, one in particular was at the polo where you got to knock him yeah. off in the round, the quarterfinals, sure. maybe semifinals. But uh, yep. yeah, sure. I got recruited to, go play golf at Texas A&M my sophomore year of high school and um, God had me elsewhere and I signed with Baylor University my senior year and and was able and fortunate to play with Ryan for four years. Uh, I was in college for five years due to COVID but yeah I think that's how I that's kind of how I got involved with golf where my journey began and to where I am now I'm a professional golfer which we'll talk about in a little bit but um, maybe you can introduce yourself, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from basically lived in Louisville my whole life, was born in OKC. Um, and then kind of just got into golf, living on a golf course. Um, both my parents had their own golf carts, so I just ride around with them in a little uh, car seat and eat fruit snacks the whole day. So that's kind of how I got started into it. Um, Used plastic clubs probably shoot since I could walk um, till age of four and then got my first set and have loved it ever since. Um, yep, I played a lot of junior golf with you. Um, I think you beat me more times than not, but that's all right. Um, and then, yeah, for some reason, we both ended up at Baylor. I think we, uh, Loved our experience there. We got better learning under Coach McGraw. Um, and yeah, now we're both professional golfers living out of Dallas and just enjoying life, right? Are the fruit snacks the reason why you were so chunky when you were little? Yeah, I, I was big, dude. I was. You were. You the, were. Until the age uh, of 14. A, I, yeah. You were a bowling ball. Yeah. I was a little okay. Thick. Now you're ripped, shredded, and we can talk about that later. But, 
I guess you can start off talking about from May of 2021 when you turned, we both turned pro and yep. where you are now, your journey over the last year and a half. Yeah, I think that um, it's gone by so fast. Um, I just remember, it seems like yesterday we were still at Baylor. Um, but yeah, I started off my first summer playing the Canada slash form tour. Um, and I had a terrible year. I missed every cut. Um, and then that fall, I went to Q school. I got my corn fairy card with bad status um, to where I basically had to try to Monday uh, into all the tournaments. I was fortunate enough to Monday into two of them. Um, so playing in those two corn fairy events, I thought that was great experience. Um, something that has kind of always been a dream in a way. Obviously, you want to play on the PGA Tour, but um, no, I thought it was a great start. I learned a ton about how to prep and everything. Um, and then just realizing that your dreams aren't as far away as what you think they are. Um, I think that we're all talented and, you know, you see those guys on TV and sure they're great, but at the same time, I think we all have that belief in ourselves to where we can, we can do that as well. Um, so played in those played in a couple all pro tour events. Um, and then just got done with this year's Q school. Um, and kind of did the same thing, got my corn fairy card again, and I don't have very good status once again. So hopefully, uh, this year will, it'll be a little better. Yeah, I guess before I go into mine, I think, uh, it is really important for the few viewers we have in this episode to know <laughs> that like getting your corn fairy card is so hard and then you haven't, um, necessarily secured starts yet and i think that's what's so hard about professional golf because to, to do what ryan's done in the last two years to get through second stage uh i guess get through first second and on to finals two years in a row is really impressive let alone then having to go place top 40 in finals with what 200 guys so i think that's the hardest part about q school is you know people are don't understand how hard it is to get to finals and then you still have like you're not there yet. You still have to play well, and yeah. Ryan will have the opportunity. I'm sure he'll get through some Mondays in January and maybe get it on his number a couple of times. But it's still a really good accomplishment to just get to final stage because it's not easy. I think Q school pressure is one of the hardest pressures ever. But uh, for me, I guess we turned pro at the same time, and Ryan played form tour last summer. I put on an all pro tour and traveled with one of our good buddies, Colin Cober, for a summer. And both had either missed cuts or top tens, it seemed like. And one was going home, one finished top ten, and then the next week it flipped. So that was fun just to experience how to travel with Colin. Uh, while also when we were at home, learning how to manage our time with Ryan by our side as well. Uh, and then I, I played first stage of Q school and didn't get out of second stage um, in Albuquerque. But at the same site, Ryan did. So... I kind of took the winter off and then played a few APTs at the beginning of this year and then got Canada uh, status via Q school in March. Uh, and then I was really fortunate enough to get a sponsor exemption to the 
Veritex Corn Fairy event, which was a good experience for me because I think the Corn Fairy Tour is the second best tour in the world. And it's just the same comp competition as it is on the PJ Tour. You just don't have the PJ Tour name to it. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I was fortunate to get an exemption to the Byron Nelson. And that was really cool for me uh, personally, just because my my dream has always been to play college golf and then play on the PJ Tour in, in front of my grandpa, who's been really involved with my golf game. And I got to do that that week uh, in Texas, where we're from. So that was really special for me. Both didn't go very well, uh, but it was more about learning and realizing that um, mine, Ryan's, our friends' games are, you know, they trans like they're capable of competing on the highest level and not to bash anybody on the PJ tour or district like, and not to say they're bad, but our good is just as good as theirs. I feel like, and I think that was really cool for me to see and put a lot of confidence in me. And I flew to Canada for the summer. Um, I guess it's important to know I got married in February and the first thing I did was leave my wife and go to Canada for four months and saw her like six times after we got married. But yeah, it was a really fun summer. Uh, Canada was not what I thought it was. It's uh, much different than traveling here in the States and feel like I had a good year. Um, feel like it's definitely a shorter season than any other tour and you have to play well the whole year or else you're not going to finish in the top 10. And I had a good year, but I was six spots from having a great year and luckily was exempt to second stage again, or I was exempted to second stage, which is still good because, you know, it takes the stress away from first stage, but didn't get through second stage. And so back to where we were last year. And yeah, it's golf. I think, I think golf is just, it's so hard to get there. It really is. And I think that's what I've tried to, still haven't really taken in everything, but the more I think about it, I just realized how grateful I was to be able to, you know, do the things I did this year. And there were a lot of good didn't result in what I wanted to, but it's, you know, you keep moving on and pressing on and we'll see what happens next year. But podcast is my full focus right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that it's important to note that in March you did win an APT. Um, you shot 58 the first round and the one that you won. Um, and All then credit to you as my roommate. Yeah, that was an experience that I'm sure we'll share at some point. Um, and then the fall prior, you shot 59 at first stage. So, yeah, talent's definitely there. I think we all know that. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on just how strange Q school is. Um, you know, everyone talks about how stressful it is. And golf's one of those things where so much of it depends on the course, the the week, what goes into it, um, kind of your prep, how your swing's feeling. How hard is it to – I feel like I'm interviewing you right now, but how hard is it to, like, peak at that one week a year? You know, like, there's obviously three weeks. So that three week – and it's over three months as well. So how do you find a way to peak each week like that in the most important? Like, Well, to answer your question, I haven't found it yet because I haven't gotten through Q school. But <laughs> I think um, nobody knows pressure until they've played a Q school. Yeah. Um, 
you hear all guys talk about it at the at the top level. You know, Scotty talks about it. If he doesn't up and down in Arizona for guaranteed starts in the corner ferry, who knows where he'd be right now. And there, there's numerous of guys that have um, that have said that, done that, et cetera. And I think the biggest thing about Q School is patience. Um, yep. You think you have to play perfect golf, but really you don't. But you also have to go in the mindset of trying to win the golf tournament because if you go with the mindset of trying to just finish inside the top 21, you're probably going to find yourself finishing around the top 21, whether you make it by one or miss it by one. Same thing goes for making a cut. But, yeah, I think I've had two completely different experiences. I think I peaked at the wrong time last year. Um, you mentioned the 59, and it was a great week. I had a, a, lot, a, a lot of good memories came out of that week with my dad at first stage last year. I really wish that would have happened at second stage, but it didn't. And I think I struggled at second stage to um, channel that, the nerves, handle the pressure. Um, But I think all of it is about like moving slowly through it and enjoying it and not trying to finish real fast or, um, uh, but yeah, I think this year I tried my best to take it slowly. And I don't know, I think just, Again, the pressure was there the the last two rounds. And, you know, there's not like a – I don't know. I, I, I keep saying the word pressure, but it's true. Like, and I just I just was watching an interview with Jacob Solomon after he got guaranteed starts on stage where he was, mentioned how when Daniel Berger won a tournament a few years ago, he said he felt like he had a heart attack over every shot. And I think that's the best yeah. way to explain it. No matter the first shot of the tournament – third round final shot of the tournament your heart's beating as fast as possible and you have to figure out ways to slow it down or whether that's breathing techniques or maybe just dumbing the week down but yeah I mean I really wish I had it figured out but I think what's what I'm looking forward to next year is getting to Q school and being excited about it and using the experiences that I've had and trying to manage those but I guess to flip it back on you what have you done in Albuquerque the last two years to get through if there's anything you can think of or you have a good third yeah. round this year you have a good third round in first stage this year like under the gun so yeah I don't know it's interesting because there's so many thoughts that go through your head that week from it, it doesn't even start that week it starts probably a month before where I personally I start stressing um, and trying to make every part of my game perfect. Um, and that's just, I would never do that for just a nor- normal tournament, right? So I think just finding a way to have fun with the game of golf and look at it as a challenge rather than putting stress on yourself. Obviously, that's so easy to do, but I try to view it as a challenge and um, something that, you can overcome in a way and yeah I think dumbing it down minimizing the importance of it um, is a big part of it but at the same time all my stress would be before the tournament started and then after I hit the first tee shot I was like all right let's go like I can't worry about oh I had a bad rain session three days ago no that doesn't matter like we just got to figure out a way to put a score on the on the scorecard, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, so I don't know, just viewing it as a challenge and just, yeah, dumbing it down. Um, there's no perfect formula for it. 
because um, everyone there is stressed out that week. Um, they ha they all have nerves if they don't, you know, they're lying. So, but I think it's a good thing. I think it's fun to try to overcome all that stuff. And obviously, I didn't get top forty at finals, but um, I believe one day we'll get there and it, it should all be worth it I would think um, it puts it in perspective how hard it is and then just imagining making it to where we're trying to go I think that would be pretty fulfilling I agree I mean I think so, you're just trying not to ask yourself I guess for me personally like you just keep saying like if, if I don't get through I'm not gonna have a job for a year that's a hard question yeah. to get out of your head but uh yeah I think you're right I think it's golf at the end of the day. You got to be excited to play 18 holes each day, no matter what you did the day before. And yeah, I mean, Q school is a different animal. You don't know what it is until you play it. You really don't. Either you're caddying in it or playing in it or yeah. watching your watching friend. Like it, it's the hardest, hardest three months of a professional golfer's career. And it's also expensive. And yes. But it's 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 what you have to do. So, yep. Um, our good friend Colin Cover says that um, it's it's a the Christmas season Q school because they're giving away some, yep. some cards. So uh, it's a great way to look at it. Um, let's see. So we're kind of in the off season right now. Um, let's just talk about kind of what we're doing, um, what we have coming up, kind of what a day-to-day -day, uh, experience looks like for us right now? Yeah, I guess for me, starts uh, main thing I'm trying to do is take a break from competitive golf currently and work on growing as a husband. Um, I think the last eight to nine months have been difficult for Ashley and I, so not difficult in that we're having a bad marriage. Our, mar our marriage has been great, but me having time to love her, pursue her, um, and just mature, mature as a person, but more importantly, as a husband, because um, I owe that to her. Um, and then it's kind of like the first true break I've had since I turned pro. Um, and shooting some content with a couple of YouTube people. And that's been really fun for me. I think just trying to find golf as being fun again is kind of what I'm doing this offseason. It was like my main goal as soon as I left Albuquerque was trying to be positive and I had a few negative overreactions the last few months that came out of nowhere. So trying to have fun again. And by doing that, I've had the opportunity to play with Micah Morris and Busta Jack and it's made golf way more fun. It's, it's, you're just playing golf. You're not playing for a trophy. You're not playing for money. You're just playing for people to watch you play the game you love. So that's been an interesting perspective for me. Um, I guess now I, back in the U.S., so I, I have more opportunity to work out with our trainer, Alex Peckham, who's been really beneficial for me over the last um, 18 months, I guess you could say, and uh, trying to, I don't know, I mean, I'm trying to get bigger, but I don't, my, <laughs> my body definitely has restrictions um, being so little, but uh, trying to get hard or go hard in the gym and get stronger, faster, uh, and then just I guess the main thing for me in the off season is trying to find out, you know, who I am and what golf is to me right now. Cause golf's a game that beats you up. Bad results beat you up pretty good. And 
I think that, you know, when you um, let those define you, it's not a great place to be. So I'm excited to have fun again on the golf course. I've had a lot of fun the last few weeks on the golf course and I haven't been playing too much golf either, but the opportunities that I have had to go out there or, you know, I've had the want again, I guess, not necessarily yeah. to practice yet, but just to have fun. So that's what my off season looks like and probably last until end of the year and then get back going in January. So, yeah, yeah, that's where I am. Let's, let's hear where you are. Yeah. I haven't touched the club since finals. Uh, I'll probably give it one more week off. Um, so a little over two weeks without touching the club. That's probably the longest I'll ever go. Um, but no, it's nice. I think that it's important just to kind of take a break and kind of evaluate how the year was and yeah, find a love for the game of golf again. Um, wanting to go practice, wanting to go play. I think that's important. And I think kind of later on in the season, um, we kind of take that for granted or lose that interest a little bit. Um, so yeah, just a day for me is go work out with Alex, our trainer, um, just kind of get better in some different areas. Um, and yeah, trying to get bigger like you, uh, get on that creatine. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, just really not doing a whole lot, which is, it's been pretty nice. Yeah, that's been, it's been great, honestly. I mean, for all of us just to do things outside of golf, uh, whether yeah. not, not, not that we're very, um, fun people to be with. We don't really do much. You and I are pretty no. individualistic and, uh, could lay in bed all day if we wanted to, but, uh. Yeah, I guess I guess we could just move on into some fun questions as we yeah do that, do and it. then I guess make one... our picks for the RSM this week. Let's go, baby! Yes, You're going down this. However long this podcast lasts, I'm gonna have a better record than you. But uh, I guess we could start with um, the best golfer you've played with. Yeah, um, that's that's a great question. Um, that we kind of wrote down like that all factor of wow he hits that shot it sounds different or he hits um a shot that i haven't seen before stuff like that um i played with ryan ruffles and in louisiana at the corn fairy event and he's had he hasn't played great recently but i mean you can tell that he has it and no, I was just in shock the first two days I played with him. It was the first day it was blowing 30 miles per hour. And he would hit these unbelievable shots. He'd ride the wind. He'd fight the wind under the winds, shoot over the wind. Like it was unreal. Um, so that's probably the one guy for me that I was very impressed with. Yeah. Yeah. I've got two. I, I mean, but. To speak, I mean, I've seen Ryan Ruffles swing and it's just gorgeous. It's just it's absolutely spectacular on Instagram. <laughs> Never got the opportunity to see it in person, but it, it's beautiful. Um, the accent is unreal, too. Australian accent's number one. Everybody uh, yeah. knows that guy or girl. But uh, I have two and I have was really struggling. The first one that came to my mind, though, was uh, Matthias Schmid. Um, he played at Louisville for our former coach, Coach Black. 
and I got paired with him and Austin Eckrode at the Western Amateur. Um, and I'll never forget walking with Austin and both just being like, holy crap, this guy's got it. This guy's good. I can't beat him. And the first two days were stroke play. I missed the cut. But both days, Matias started off birdie, birdie, eagle. And it was the easiest four near through three I've ever seen in my life two days in a row. It was driver, fairway, middle of the fairway, striped to three feet, tapped in. Same thing on two. Eagle, the, the two eagles were driver, full iron, six feet, both days. It was like a robot. And I'll, I mean, Austin and I could not get over it for 36 holes. And I mean, that's kind of rare in golf when you are playing with somebody and you're, you find yourself watching them more than yeah doing your own thing. Um, but I just remember us talking about how amazing his golf swing is and how Austin and I are kind of just hitters of the golf ball. doesn't look great, but it, we hit it. And this guy just swings it beautifully. It doesn't even, it doesn't even like when he swings the golf club, it doesn't even look like he hits the golf ball. It just looks so effortless. And, um, and then the one that I couldn't, I just couldn't leave out with Scotty. Uh, it's not um, unknown that I have a love for short game. And that's probably the only thing that anybody will ever see me absolutely grinding on is chipping. Maybe not necessarily even getting my chips close, but just spinning the golf ball. And there has been nobody on this planet that can chip it better than Scotty Scheffler. I'll never forget. Oh, yeah. At, Merido playing in the Samaritan Fund tournament. He they moved the tee up on 18 and um he hit it in this tight fairway and I, he had got up and down with hitting a flop shot, unreal shot. Same thing at the Byron Nelson this year. Just a joke of Joysia use, just absolute perfection, <laughs> spinning it from 15 yards off the green. I just remember on hole six, my dad and I watching him hit 30 chips in a row to a short side of flag and not one of those balls ever hopping, just absolutely plugging. So he's, he, he's, he's got it and the world knows it now. So absolutely unreal. Mm -hmm. Yep. He definitely has it. Um, let's see what else we got here. Great podcast. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received in golf? Uh, this is, uh, this is easy for me. My grandpa growing up used to tell me golf is not who you are. It's what you do. And a little bit of that, or the, the majority of that is based around faith and making sure that your priorities are straight, but to just at a, you know, at a broad level that the, the game of golf is, it beats you down. It's really easy to come off the golf course after shooting 78 and making that 78 who you are how you act, how you talk to people, you know, and it's, it's also easy to be cocky after shooting 65. And so I think it's important for me to really understand that golf is just what I do. It's what God's given me the gift of playing, the gift of being good at, and how am I going to use that, you know, the game of golf in order to want to glorify him, but just not make it who I am because it's really easy to do. It's individual sport. You don't really have teammates. You have a team around you that helps you. But at the end of the day, it's just you on the golf course. So making it who you are is really easy. And I think that's probably the best advice I've ever, ever been given. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's something that has stuck with me as well. Um, you know, having those bad days, everyone, or you think everyone just views you by that 78 that you shot. But 
that's not that's not necessarily how it works. You know, your best friends are always going to – I don't think they really care at all what you shoot. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely the best advice that I've received as well. Um, all right, let's get into some picks for Sea Island this week. So what we're going to do is each week – we're going to pick one player in the top 50 in the world and then one outside. And then however much money they make that week, we'll just add it up to our picks. And whoever ends up with the most wins. So that's, I think that's what we're going to do to end the segment or end the show. Yeah. You want me to go first? Yeah, let's hear your top 50. All right. I got Mackenzie Hughes this week. Uh, He's actually exactly number 50 in the world. So if this guy beats your guy, mm, tough start for you. To, but he's uh, he's he just won the Sanderson Farms about six weeks ago. He started working okay. with Josh Gregory a week before that. His putting looked amazing. Um, and Josh also happens to work with us. So shout out to him. Uh, he finished second here last year. Loves his golf course. Great player. Canadian guy. Spent the summer in Canada. Love McKenzie this week. All right, I will put him or yeah up against. I'm going with Brian Harmon, absolute dog. He yeah. went to Georgia. Georgia boy. Their, their football team's ranked one. He's already 13th in the FedEx Cup this this year. He's played three events. Already has a top 10. And his short game is unreal. So I think that could play a big factor here. Um, sea Island and. Late November, you don't know what kind of weather you're going to get. So I think that he's going to have a strong week. I think it's a good pick. Hopefully the wind doesn't blow him over since he's so little. But let's hear who you got for your pick outside of the top 50. Outside the top 50. I I had it between a couple guys. Um, but I, I think I'm going to go with Davis Riley. He's – He's been playing good, not great, I'd say, for his standards. Um, But, gosh, that golf swing. We get to watch that at Merido every once in a while. Um, He had a pretty good finish last week, uh, besides the last day. So, I think that he's going to be motivated, and I think he's going to play well this week. Great pick. Shout out to Merido. I was going to go with Taylor Moore, who's also a member who's been on an absolute heater the last six months. But I'm going to go with – Sea Island native Davis Thompson got to play with him uh, at the Walker Cup last year, and God, he might be mute, but he strikes it. It's a joke. I mean, home track. His dad's the tournament director. uh, Walking stripe show. You know, he just he absolutely shoves it in your face. Doesn't say a word to you. Just lets his clubs talk. And just I just recently read an article where he's fixed his putting, which wasn't bad. But anytime you make it air your game better at a course you play every day destined for a great week. So I got Mackenzie Hughes, Davis Thompson, you got um, Brian Harmon and uh, Davis Riley. And yeah, honestly, I hope Davis has a great week. You know, Davis is a good friend of ours and, you know, I guess we'll see who gets off to a fast start. Yep. It'll be fun. Um, so that concludes our intro first podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and uh, have a great week. Thank you, guys.